Do you know when they say you love something from first look? That won't happen exactly. Yeah, I mean, I loved West Virginia. It's like the trees. Country road, take me home. <laughs> My name's Clara, and this is Sandstone. Sandstone is a storytelling podcast that seeks to understand the nuanced worlds of Arabia and Appalachia, and the people that call these places home. Hey, Sandstoners. I don't know if that's the most appropriate title, but I kind of like it. (laughs) Welcome back. I'd like to welcome you to season two of Sandstone a season dedicated to voices and stories from across the seas and from here in the West Virginia Hills. On today's episode, we'll hear a voice from Syria and a story that just so happened to intersect with my story here in the Mountain State. It was my first semester in college, and I decided to volunteer as a conversation partner for the English program. And to my delight, I was randomly paired with an exchange student from Syria. His name was Ted. It was 2016, and the war in Syria was making headlines by the hour. Upon meeting Ted, I composed a lengthy mental list of questions. I would get the inside scoop on what was really happening on the ground. And thinking back, I cringe at my insensitivity. Because when I posed my first question, it ended in tears. And when I asked to see his city, he showed me pictures of Aleppo. The same pictures numbingly circulated by CNN and BBC. He wanted to forget, and I was making him remember. Syria to me was a war. It was black flags and a police state. And Ted, he was a refugee, a victim, a novelty in my safe, middle-class American life. Like I said, it makes me cringe. And I give you permission to cringe, too. But we learn from our mistakes, and we try to be better. And I quickly learned that Ted would not be defined by his past. He wouldn't be a victim. He would be an engineer, a musician, an Uber driver, and a Wendy's manager. He would be all these things. And he would be my friend, too. So Ted's name isn't really Ted. And it's not a pseudonym either. It's his American name. And what is your name? Um, I think you know my name. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but other people don't know your name. Well, it's Tadamon. And it means solidarity. Solidarity, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And so is that why you decided to go by Ted? Because it was just too hard for other people? Uh, yeah, I think so. That was the mm-hmm. first reason. Especially at work. <laughs> Twenties. Nobody can say my, my name right. Like still, no one 100% can say it right here. And that's why I was like, okay, well, I go with Todd or Ted. Mm-hmm. And then I went with Ted, and now I'm Ted. <laughs> <laughs> Ted came to West Virginia around four years ago. He was 23. Some of his relatives were already living in the area, and after a lengthy immigration process, he enrolled in a master's program to study engineering. And studying engineering alone seems difficult to me, but Ted's doing it in a foreign language in a new country, and to top it off, he gets a job at Wendy's. Kudos. 
So, you know, when I first came here by myself, every day eating burgers, burgers, burgers. <laughs> I was like, why don't I just work in fast food restaurant and <laughs> eat burgers all the time? <laughs> that's exactly what you did. Oh, no, that's not a real reason. Actually, I started working to get experience, um, get involved with people. But the people there made it so easy and they were very nice to me. And I think I was like in first, second week, um, already was friend with everyone and everyone like real like me. I visited Ted at Wendy's a couple times, and I can testify to this. Everyone was like, we love Ted. And within three months, he was promoted to manager. Ted loved Wendy's. He got to practice his English, gain work experience, eat free burgers, and as an added bonus... We have some people trying to finesse. <laughs> 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 it's always awkward when a non-native English speaker teaches you your own language, and it's not the first time this has happened to me, but whatever, good for them, I guess. According to Urban Dictionary, finesse can mean A, kicking a soccer ball in a certain finesse fashion, I don't feel like it's that one, B, getting with someone, as in, I finessed that girl, or, quote, a word that modern teens and preteens say, even though they have absolutely no idea what it really means. I'm gonna go with B or C, but for the purposes of this episode, let's just think of it as flirting, maybe? I don't know. At fast food restaurant, people finesse each other, and then she was trying to finesse me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> she is referring to his then co-worker and now girlfriend. And she knows when we started actually dating how hard I was to to get involved. Like I'm pretty sure that she like, well let's give you girlfriend boyfriend. And I was like, no. <laughs> really, <laughs> it's not a joke. It was really? it was lots and lots and lots of me trying to convince him. That's Olivia, his girlfriend. Because see, I remember talking with you about this. It was you about this? Okay, let's see if I remember. <laughs> I know you have such a bad memory, so probably don't. <laughs> but one of the things that I was thinking about that am I gonna be able to live with a girlfriend from another country? Because it's like such a different culture, so I didn't know how that's gonna work yeah. or not. Yeah, so that was hard because for me, getting together is not just something, okay, but well, let's get together now and then one, one month later. <laughs> Ah, we're not gonna be together anymore. Yeah. So I really wanted to know if I'm gonna be able to live with her or not. If she's gonna be like best fit, like somebody who's gonna complete me, for example. And with her, I saw a real lady, a real woman. She works hard. She's working more than me. <laughs> but I always make money more than her. <laughs> <laughs> Your face says otherwise. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. <laughs> every time we do Uber, mm -hmm. every time, oh. I make... Well, Uber's a different story. I, I make more than her. <laughs> and she was like, oh babe, how much did you make? And I was like, 
how much you made, you would tell me, and then I'll be like, well, only? only? I hate hearing that. And, so mean. <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, like, only? How come? Like, what happened? Why, why are you not making that, more? That drives me crazy, too, because I'll be excited. I'll be like, yeah, I made $100 in four hours. And then I'll come back and he'll be like, how much you made? $100. And I'll be like, only? Only $100? Okay. One of the things that I don't like is is just living paycheck to paycheck. Yeah, and, yeah. And very stressful. And so many so many people do it here. Yeah. So one of the things that you should always think about future. And I also came not a very wealthy family. Like mm -hmm. it's not the same situation in the Middle East. Like all the Middle East, some countries are wealthy, so they have a lot of money. They don't care. But in Syria, people they're not super wealthy, so they do know the meaning of the money. The saving habits that I've learned over the past year have come from him. So, <laughs> wow! Yeah, so it, it's been a big turnaround for me. <laughs> That's because, so crazy. I mean, like, I came from a family that lived paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. They didn't have savings. They didn't invest the money. Yeah, but we were happy. We were good. We're like, I mean, I'm, I'm so happy with her. She was like, I'm gonna lock you down. Huh? <laughs> 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 to this day, he's like, I do what I want. You could have locked me down. <laughs> question was it weird telling your family that you were dating a Syrian guy or were they sketched out by that um, well my family's pretty conservative mm -hmm. so uh, it wasn't necessarily hard to tell them but like at first I was wondering how they would react to it like would they accept him would they be happy with him being around and could they see him being part of the family it was scary, but it didn't need to be scary. As soon as they met him, I'm sure they were they like, loved oh, they loved like, this dude isn't scary. <laughs> but, but I think that at the same time, they had like preconceived notions of what a Middle Eastern person would be like. Like, he might be really controlling. He might be one of those guys that wants you to cover up. It was like a learning experience for them because they didn't realize what it would like, what they're actually like. Yeah. When, you know, that they're not all the same. I mean, for me, my family is open to that thing. Some people, Arab people, their families are not. So this might be difficult. But at the end, also think about it that it's all a human. And if we just fall in love with somebody and we see future with them, then just go for it. Yeah. And, but don't this go for so it. Cute. <laughs> don't go for it just for the moment. Yeah. Because the moment it's gonna be enjoyable. I mean, we're going out and like having a couple of drinks and then have a good time. And okay, we'll be together. And that should not be that way. Um, you should think like logically mm -hmm. uh, if that person fit you or not. Mm -hmm. But then, like, you don't want to lie on somebody and play with somebody's feeling. Yeah. And uh, after one year with her, I see like. It's just amazing, <laughs> and we're so, it makes you so, happy. so happy together. Ted and Olivia have since moved away from West Virginia. They're living in Arizona now, but they still hold Wendy's and West Virginia close to their hearts. But what was Ted's life like before Olivia and before Wendy's, before West Virginia? What was his life like in Syria?
there's a lot of things to do there, like every day you meet with friends, I mean, and this is actually a habit. Going drinking coffee every day, like espresso or something. <laughs> that would be like like everyday thing. Smoking, especially being social. You know, yeah. if you smoke, then you're a man, you know. <laughs> <laughs> you grow up. <laughs> and we do have restaurant, watch soccer games, and we have nightclubs, where you go finesse. <laughs> but we don't have strip club. <laughs> we have... Important we don't, distinction. <laughs> we don't party so much. There's no, like... Um, every Friday and Saturday you go out thing. Yeah. It's like social stuff. Like sometimes you guys are friends, you drink something. So what do you do instead on the weekends? Friday <laughs> is the family day. So would you do anything special? Yeah, actually used to be a very special day on Friday. My uncle would come and bring some traditional food like falafel and food. And, mm-hmm. and the family would gather on every Friday. That was like every Friday my uncle would do that and get some dessert. But on Fridays, like everyone comes, that family visit, and you know, women start talking. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the day, when we were conversation partners, we decided to make a list to compare my upbringing here with his in Syria. We didn't make it too far on the list, but during our conversation, I pulled it up for reference. I think I wrote it down verbatim, so some of the phrasing is a little awkward. I have written down here, Sometimes friends steals dad's car, go to the girls' school, and play loud music like hipsters. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, that's me. That's me when I was teenage. <laughs> he would steal your dad's car? No, well, see, I didn't have a car. My friend would steal his dad's car and we just go finessing all the time. <laughs> and play loud music at the girls' school. Oh, yeah, sure, because, like, you know, music and attention. Like, did it work oh, for you? Of course it did. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> I was Romeo, you know. Police come to catch the boys. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah, because you know people might call on like police and they okay there's some guys here. (laughs) But I've I've never I've never got called by police. (laughs) Oh also it says if the police catch you they will cut your hair. And cutting hair is bad because it makes you ugly now. Yeah, exactly. That's that's your, uh, when they catch you, that's your, what do you say? Your punishment? Yeah, your punishment is, okay, well, you're making your hair, like, look good now. Okay, without hair, <laughs> none of the girls gonna look at you now. <laughs> that's so, the punishment. But you never got your hair cut. Not by police. Not by police. <laughs> I did it, I did it once, so I don't, so I can study. <laughs> What do you mean so you could study? Because... So all the girls wouldn't be looking at you? <coughs> so you could concentrate? <laughs> so when high school we have... To get into in, in college, we have competitive exam. And it's yeah. so hard. So for that, I cut my hair so I don't... <laughs> I don't, like, spend time making my hair, like, look good and open <laughs> So at that time, I did... I, what a I, responsible I, teenager. Yeah, I mean, at that time, I wasn't, like, really in finessing, but <laughs> when I got in college, I got into it more. 
At the time, I was surprised by these findings. They have nightclubs and coffee shops, and they go finessing. What else might they be doing over there? Of course, people play music. I mean, if you if you if you think about it, music is the language of the world. And like, if I don't know English, you don't know Arabic. But then, me and you know how to play each one instrument. We can make song. So oh, we do have music. And actually, my cousin is a saxophone player. Um, he graduated from music school. So we also have music school. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I created a band. That's what I always wanted to do. Um, but it was a very hard time, like to create a band. Everyone thought like, "Well, oh, this is gonna be crazy. Like, what are you doing in the middle of the war?" And <laughs> yeah. it's not gonna work. And um, that was what year? That was my third year in school. Two thousand fourteen. Yeah. 13? Okay. 13. So that's like 13. the heat of everything. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was like in the middle, in the middle of the war. <laughs> Ted would play guitar and his friend would play oud, a traditional stringed instrument. Aleppo was under siege, but Ted and his friends were making music. There was like basically no concert at the time, like everyone's, everything was, because Aleppo at the time was under siege. It started as just the two of them, playing in coffee shops, but others soon joined in. There were seven musicians now, and they wanted to play a concert at the university. The problem was, all the stages were closed, and performances canceled. All the stages in school closed, like nobody can do concert. So Ted went to the student union and he petitioned for the opportunity to perform. Reluctantly, they agreed. They would have to clean the dust off the stage and prepare everything themselves. And that's what we did. We cleaned the dust and the stage so we can do the concert. Me personally, I was not expecting that much people that would come, but then the stage was full. I'm talking about like 800 people. What? Uh, there, people didn't find Dude, a place crazy. to come in. <laughs> After this concert, people like we became very famous. <laughs> like we became. Well, if 800 people came. Yeah. Yeah, we became like famous, like very famous at school. I would just walk and everyone like, hey, hey, oh wow. Like some people say, like, we forgot, we even forgot about the war outside, like about what's going on outside because of this concert. And I give people relief of what was happening. Yeah. From sadness to happiness. They kept performing and the band grew. Wow. We grow up all the way to like 25 to 30, but we did not get the chance to continue. The war escalated and eventually the band split up. Some, like Ted, left Syria. Some stayed. And from there, his story gets messier. It's the story that I asked for when I first met him. And it's a story that doesn't define him. 
I mean, this is in the media where, like, just um, put the bad side on, like, they don't show everything, they don't show the facts. I mean, for me, I represent Syria, and also there's one thing that you should know, it's not very easy to come here in the United States, and the person who's coming here is already, like... The best of the best, kind of. Exactly. So, <laughs> you don't have to say it yourself, but I'll say it for you. That, that's, that's what you need to know, especially about the Arab people here. Like, yeah. And your family is a great example of that because you have two uncles here. One is an engineer and one is a... Doctor. Doctor. And you're also an engineer. I mean, we are just people, like, same as anyone else. We have feelings. We, we do fun stuff. Um, we enjoy life. So the message is just... Um, get to know us we're just a human we're just people and we're nice and that's it that's all the mainstream media is flooded with stories of war and conflict which are important but overwhelming I personally can't relate to war and I can't feel sorry for every stranger affected by it But I can relate to Ted, and people like Ted who work at Wendy's and play music and go finessing on weekends. Pity won't get us anywhere, but solidarity, solidarity just might. That's why I'm Solidarity, my name. This project is supported in part by the Critical Language Scholarship Alumni Development Fund. The Critical Language Scholarship Program is sponsored by the U.S. Department of State with funding provided by the U.S. government. Thank you for listening.